It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Well, here we are. The final episode of The Lambo Lawyer. Normally, you'd expect to have some great come-to-Jesus moment. Maybe a cliffhanger. Or that ending that you didn't see coming. Now, that's tough to do when you're recording a podcast about a narcissistic lawyer who's pissed off a whole bunch of people and doesn't really care. I can tell you in this episode that we talked to Headley Thomas, who is the host of one of the biggest podcasts Australia has seen, The Teacher's Pet. Someone we've sort of just measured in smaller doses as need be, but um, his heart's in the right place. There's the moment we talk to one of the biggest radio broadcasters in the country about his dealings with the Lambo lawyer. He's a very, very interesting, colourful, some might say controversial character. And then there's the moment where I get in the Lamborghini with Peter just a few weeks back and almost die. We'll come back to me nearly dying sitting in the Lambo and skip politely into a chat with Headley Thomas. Now, if you're a regular podcast listener, you'll know Headley's voice from his podcast, The Teacher's Pet and The Teacher's Trial. They're currently going gangbusters right throughout the world. Headley is a real investigative journalist who works for The Australian and has also known the Lambo lawyer for a very long time. Congratulations, firstly, on that podcast, because it is phenomenal. Um, and you've done an amazing job at not just the podcast, but bringing justice to something that's been going for a long time. Yeah, thank you, Jay. It, we always believe that there was a time and a place for accountability, and uh, that's happened in the Supreme Court now. Our friend, Peter Lovack, yes. um, has been your mate for a long time. Tell me, tell me about your relationship with Pete. Yeah, I've known Peter for about 30 years, and I met him in Hong Kong when I was over there as a journalist for the South China Morning Post. So my wife, Ruth, and I left Brisbane to work in Hong Kong in the early 90s, and Peter Larvac uh, was a very colourful, interesting criminal defence lawyer. And he had been a prosecutor as well, a very effective prosecutor. We got to know Peter through mutual friends. And he uh, has been, uh, at times, an adornment. And at times, uh, someone we've sort of just measured in smaller doses as need be. But um, his heart's in the right place. So let's talk about that first time you met Peter. I think I had read about him in the pages of the South China Morning Post and other newspapers and magazines before I met him. A friend of mine, Alexander King, another uh, lawyer who was mates with Peter, 
said, you've got to meet my friend Peter. He's funny. He's So I'd heard of Peter, and I think because Ruth and I are journalists, Peter was able to sort of seek us out like a heat-seeking missile. Peter, as you know, is... Uh, no stranger to publicity. In fact, you wouldn't want to get between Peter and a <laughs> interviewer. And uh, we became friends. And, you know, I I think life and journalism is filled with colourful people and characters. And I enjoyed Peter's company. And I still enjoy Peter's company because he is a decent guy. But there is that elephant in the room. He is a big narcissist. <laughs> Ruth is Headley's wife. Ruth was also a journo in Hong Kong and wrote a story about Peter when he paddled a surf ski across the South China Sea. We organised a world record paddle across across the South China Sea from Hong Kong to the Philippines. And tell me how long that trek is. It's a thousand kilometres across the South China Sea. Took us four and a half days. And Channel 7 sent a TV crew anchored by Cameron Williams to do a documentary on that world record paddle. And you made it? We made it, only just. We, we had problems with sharks. Uh, there were problems with jellyfish stings. And the biggest problem of all was collisions with flying fish. They'd get blinded by our spotlight in the dark. They'd be blinded by the spotlight and we had collisions. They'd collide in our bodies at high speed at night. A few years back when the teacher's pet started, Pete had actually asked his good mate of 30 years, Headley, if he would do a podcast on Pete's life story. This, I guess, is the story we're doing now, obviously with a bit of a different twist. You're doing the podcast that he has been badgering me to do ever since he realised people had listened to The Teacher's Pet Mm. and that... You know, there may be an opportunity for me to do one about him. He has wanted me to go to Tasmania and hang out with him at the beach. And he said, in return for me interviewing him about his life, he would actually make me muscular. He would put me on the weights and make me look just like him. And that was an offer so good, I had to refuse it. I I said, Peter, what do you want me to do? I, I mean, I put it off. For a little while. Initially, I think, I thought, yeah, I will, I will do this because Peter's a friend. But then it became bigger and bigger in his own mind as to the scale of it, to the point where he wanted this full-blown, you know, biography, audio mm. biography. And I just said, I'm, you know, pretty busy. And these cases I'm working on involving unsolved murders are... Uh, more important than your silly vanity project. Why am I going to spend weeks, months producing this story about you and how you allegedly rode from Hong Kong to the Philippines? I don't think he did. I just think he sat in a canoe off Lama Island for a couple of days and pretended to do that rowing trip. Peter, I'm only kidding. I know you really did it. But I was not going to go along with the vanity project because uh, life's too short. He must be paying you a lot to do this, Jay. As we've said before, we were pretty clear with Peter that this wasn't just a piss-in-his-pocket podcast. I may have just coined a phrase there. But if it was, we weren't interested. But in fairness to Peter, he let us go full-on and talk about the good, the bad and the ugly. I'm not referring to Peter there. Remember, he says he's still a good-looking rooster. As far as getting paid a lot of money, let's just say that we're still drinking instant coffee and catching public transport. There's no Lamborghini in our garage. 
You've heard my first impression when I first met Pete. Outside of the cream bun stain and the tracky dacks. Well, as a Queenslander, I've got a bit of a slow drawl. And so people tell me when they listen to podcasts, they speed it up a bit to get through them quicker. But Peter, I think, speaks even more slowly than I do. So I probably thought, gee, did someone hit him on the head? You know, like, <laughs> why is he so slow? But he's actually very bright. Uh, I think... He would have struck me as someone who was a bit of a show pony. You know, he wore clothes that would accentuate the muscles and and biceps and so on. He, um, but 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 he was always respectful and he got on very well with my friends and he was nice to my wife. So yeah, we enjoyed his we enjoyed his company. He made me he made me laugh. And Peter's one of these people who can be funny without trying to be funny. And they're often the funniest people. Does he know he's being funny? Um, <laughs> I take the piss out of him all the time. Mm-hmm. And he goes along with it. And I don't know sometimes whether he's going along with it because he's just enjoying the fact that we're talking about him and I'm pulling the piss out of him or whether he knows... I'm taking the piss, but he's just bearing it because that's what it is. Has Peter tried to word you up on what to say today? Oh, look, he hasn't tried to tell me how I should um, express myself because he knows I'd tell him to uh, stop and <laughs> go and do something to himself. Yeah. But um, he has been checking in to see whether I've done it, when I'm going to do it, am I still committed to it? And I said, mate, I am. I really am. It's going to happen. Peter is like this sort of this well that you can really never, ever fill up. It uh, doesn't matter how much you pour in. It's never going to get to the brim because Peter just wants more all the time. He wants more out of life. And that's a good quality too. But when it comes to Peter talking about himself or hoping that other people will talk about Peter, there's never enough. I mean, the way I look at Peter is he is a thoroughly good guy who sets out to do the right thing, but who seems to be haunted by demons that cause him to need to project this macho image, this... He needs to be constantly talked about, and if you're not talking about him, he needs to remind you why you should be talking about him. And that can get a little wearing at times, and I've never really talked to him about that, but... I've just had to sort of measure it because I didn't want to have any conversations with him where I might hurt his feelings because I like him. He's a good guy. He is generous. He's most, Many of his ideas are sensible and many of his pursuits, philanthropic and just in trying to help other people, are good. But some of the things he does, I kind of like just roll my eyes privately or raise an eyebrow over and Ruth and I will talk about it and have a little giggle and we'll just say, well, that's just Peter. Isn't he a classic? And, you know, if we didn't have people like Peter, the world would be a lot less interesting. Headley's certainly correct. We need characters like the Lambo lawyer in our life. He's not a wallflower and he speaks his mind and that's something he gets himself into trouble with. But he's got a good heart and we've heard that across the last eight episodes. As part of this final episode, I thought it would be a nice touch to head down to Sydney and sit in the Lambo and do our final chat with Pete in the car. When I first suggested it, he said he would love to take me doing some fast corners on a secluded road in Sydney. I spoke to our insurer 
And they said, no chance, mate. Actually, before I spoke to our Shira, I spoke to my wife and she was even more adamant. So I met Peter in a little cafe in Sydney's Surrey Hills, where the Lambo was parked in full view of the hipsters as I got out of my Uber. See ya. All right, so uh, here we are. We're at, um... oh, there it is down the road. I can see the Lamborghini uh, just up the road, uh, just across from the Prince Alfred Park. It's uh, inconspicuous. Hello, big guy. You looking well. Mate. You look strong. Do you reckon? Yeah, I reckon you look strong. Is a good looking rooster? <laughs> <laughs> thought you'd say that, mate. I thought you'd say that. How you going, all right? Good to see you, mate. Peter had told me he wanted to see me in person. As he'd bought me a few gifts, I was thinking, I wonder what he could have bought me. Maybe a bronze statue of himself. He's done that before. So I opened up my first sort of neatly packaged square box. And guess what it was? A gift I had in mind for you. And I had my acolyte searching all over Sydney for it. Yeah. Paper over there, thanks, Bobby. What is this? It smells good. Does it smell good? I don't know if it does, or can I just smell something in the cafe? <laughs> <laughs> I, I got two crude runs. Now, mate, feel free to smear one of them on the jumper, and the other one you can eat. Oh, bloody love it. Is that oh. good? Let's put the cream bun on hold for a moment and chat more to Headley Thomas. What about Peter as a barrister or a lawyer? Yeah, I I remember after I met Peter in Hong Kong and I was curious about how good or not he was on his feet in court. And possibly because of his slow drawl and what I perceived to be Peter's um, biggest love interest being himself and the reflection in the mirror, I wondered how well he might perform in a courtroom as either a prosecutor or defence lawyer. And I asked a couple of really senior barristers who had been up against him, one of them being Alexander King. And they were very laudatory of him. They said, no, no he's a really effective counsel. Uh, he doesn't miss anything. He's very thorough. He's rugged. He's fair. And you know that you're having a, f- a fair income legal fight when you're up against Peter Larbach. So they were firmly of the view that Peter was um, a really good highly talented lawyer. What about Peter as a dad? He obviously has or has had three kids. Um, two of them sadly have passed and one of them, Grant, he doesn't talk to anymore. Was Grant around when you were around? Grant was around and he was always known as Beefy. So when I was living in Hong Kong and Grant would come up, he was a teenager and uh, Peter was so proud that Grant would be visiting um, and, he, you know, he just nicknamed him Beefy and he was this um, incredibly important person in Peter's life. How they have fallen out, gosh, I've only heard Peter's side of the story. Mm-hmm. Peter blames Beefy's wife. I don't know. Uh, I suspect that there's got to be fault on both sides and, you know, it's really sad, particularly as Peter's already lost two children. What about Peter as a mate? Yeah, look, Peter's a good mate. Sorry, I should say it again, because I don't think I said it with much conviction. (laughs) (laughs) Take two, but we'll keep take one in there. Yeah. 
so Headley likes to take the piss, and Peter's okay with that. They've been mates for 30 years, and they get each other. Let's step back in the Lambo with Peter in Surrey Hills in Sydney. The idea was to get some feedback from our Lambo lawyer to get his vibe on the episodes that have been released. Like a true lawyer, Peter had noticed a few factual errors in the podcast, in his view. The first from episode two, where I talk of him astride a Harley Davidson motorbike with his shirt off and his bulging muscles. The inaccuracy there is I'm not standing and I'm not next to a Harley. I'm sitting on a motorbike with my shirt on. What we call that is we call that... Okay, so it wasn't a Harley. Apologies, Your Honour, for my oversight. The second piece was something Peter had told me when he first heard the draft of that same episode. It's the bit where I say, he used to be a good-looking rooster. Pete took umbrage to that line and wanted me to say, I think he's still a good-looking rooster. When in, in episode two, I think when you said being a rooster or some good-looking rooster, then, it then used then to be a good-looking rooster. Yeah, I think the words you were. changed that. I have changed it too. Peter but, says he's still a good-looking rooster. Yeah, and you agree? <laughs> yeah. Oh, do I have to agree too? Yeah, you have to agree. Okay, sure. Ben Fordham is an Australian radio announcer that hosts one of the biggest breakfast shows in the country on Sydney's 2GB. He's a talkback host and a very good journo, and he's also a good mate of Headley's. Ben and Headley really helped drive the Teacher's Pet podcast, and they were instrumental in bringing new attention to the Lynn Dawson case. Headley told me that Ben might have a take on Peter, as they know each other differently. Headley as a mate of Peter's, but Ben as someone who met Peter as the Teacher's Pet podcast started to unfold. I seem to recall that I did one interview with him on 2GB about the Teacher's Pet case and, and Chris Dawson, And then I certainly remember that my producer at the time, Zach McLean, would regularly say to me during ad breaks or news breaks, mate, Peter Larvac's back on the phone. He wants to come on the air again. He's got some new information. He's got a new take on an angle of the case. He thinks he may have cracked the case. He's got a really good point to make. You've got to get him out, according to Peter. And Zach always had this look on his face where I kind of felt like, I don't know, that maybe Peter might have been harassing Zach a little bit to get back on the air. But, look, I love that kind of passion because you can't you can't fake that in people. You can't get people who aren't passionate to become passionate. Uh, with someone like Peter, it's a case of harnessing that passion and, and from time to time maybe trying to calm it down. Have you met him in person or has it always been on the phone? Yeah, I met him in person at a, a walk that was honouring Lynn Dawson. Someone organised a, a walk on the northern beaches of Sydney where everyone would come together and, and I suppose draw attention to, to Lynn's case. And Peter was there and I, I hadn't met him until that point and then all of a sudden uh, we came face to face and started talking and I remember, it, it'll never ever leave me, that I remember at one point he, out of the blue, he, he opened up this kind of Velcro wallet kind of contraption and he started pulling laminated photos out of there. And they were laminated photos of himself, shirtless, as a young man. Like, really buffed up, kind of, you know. Like, there's one photo of him sitting on a, a motorbike, you know, with the muscles out of the hairy chest. And, and he was showing them to me. And I, I couldn't quite work out why he was showing me these 
photos because we were all there for this walk, you know, about a, a missing mum who may have been murdered. And that was obviously one of the question marks that came out of the podcast and the investigation. And all of a sudden, I've got Peter Larvac there showing me these laminated photos of himself as a, as a young guy all buffed and, and no shirt on. And, and then I remember at other points in the day seeing him do that again with other people as well. And I, I can still remember the sound of the Velcro when the Velcro was opening. And, <laughs> and I, I remember afterwards just, I remember ringing Headley Thomas and saying, mate, you know I love Peter. You know, he's a fascinating bloke and he's so keen to help out. I go, but mate, why is he showing laminated photos of himself to people with a shirt off and a walk raising awareness about a missing Sydney mum? I just couldn't quite work it out. And and then as I've read a bit more about Peter, I, I gather that that's part of his personality and you know, he's got plenty of personality. Ben, you've you've been in the radio game for a long time. You're now, you know, one of the best breakfast shows in the country. You've met a whole bunch of interesting characters through that time, I'm guessing. Where does Peter sit in that in that list of, you know, interesting, maybe a little crazy characters? Oh, look, he's, he's a freak. And I, I mean that in the nicest possible way because... You know, I would use the word freak about someone who is really, really successful at their sport. And equally, I would use the word freak about someone who is a, a really strange cat. And, and he's a freak. I don't know which kind of freak he is, but he's clearly a really talented bloke and, and a very interesting character. And yeah, in my job, you come across some of these people. And, and I think he he's one of those guys who... You know, I certainly wanted to lean on him for his expertise at some point along the way about the teacher's pet case. And I think he wanted to keep on going with that forever, you know. And and look, it's easy to kind of, um, as a journalist, to think, oh, mate, come on, drop off. Like, I, you know, you, you've done the part that I asked you to do. I don't need you anymore. But on the other side of the coin, I really like those people as well who just never stop, you know. He's, he's just got this uh, continuous mission that he seems to be on to uh, talk about the things that he wants to talk about. A lot of the time, that subject is himself <laughs> and some of the other cases that he's interested in. And, you know, you've got the Lamborghini and I've read that there's a film that's being made about him and now he's got a, a podcast that you guys are making about him as well. I mean, mate, he's a machine. There are some people who go through this world and, you know, they just kind of go through their paces and they don't really have people talk about them along the way. I think Peter's one of those people who, when he leaves the room, people automatically look at each other and go, what's the story with that guy? Peter has been sweating on this episode, wanting to know what Ben and Headley were going to say about him. Pete doesn't really care about how people talk about him. Really, it's just as long as people are talking about him. There was one contentious point on my chat with Headley and Peter. Let's call it a difference of opinion of Peter's work on the Teacher's Pet podcast. In my first meeting with Peter and Bobby, both had said that Pete was instrumental in the Teacher's Pet podcast. Each time a new teacher's trial made the news, Bobby would send me the articles with a note that sort of suggested, look what we've done. Headley has a bit of a different view. 
I'm aware that Peter uh, is of the view that um, he effectively cracked the case jointly with me in um, in the teacher's pet. And it's, you know, it's an interesting perception that he has because it's not my perception. Uh, Peter is a criminal defence lawyer, so when he was aware of this investigation I was doing, he offered to help, and I was only too happy to talk to him. And that involved a number of recorded conversations, which we had, and I used possibly seven or eight minutes of audio over a series that went for, I don't know, maybe 16 or 17 hours. There were snippets of audio that went over two or three different episodes. I was happy to use his contributions, and they didn't hurt the case, not not at all, but they were such a tiny drop in the bucket of this overall portrayal of the case. Um, Peter also gave me, from time to time, feedback and advice on my own position, and a couple of times I had to say, Peter, the company, News Corp, you know, they have lawyers, and I can't be perceived to have you as a lawyer because then there'll be all sorts of issues around indemnity and you know, privilege and so on. So, you know, I know you're saying you're my lawyer, but you're not the lawyer for me or the teacher's pet. You're my friend who's making these contributions to the podcast. And I'm really grateful, but, um, you know, let's just kind of like draw a line under it there. And I'm aware that he uh, went to court when he thought I was going to be there recently. And um, my appearance had been postponed briefly. And he was talking to one of the senior detectives who had put together the case for the police for the murder prosecution. Peter rang me afterwards and he said, Headley, I told him that that it was me with you that made the difference, that got this case over the line and led to a prosecution. And I said, mate, what's this bit that involves you all about? Like, where do you get that from? That's not my recollection of how it went down. I wish you hadn't said that. And, uh, yeah, because I'm not even taking that credit for it getting to a prosecution. Um, Other people suggest that there wouldn't have been a prosecution if not for the podcast. I don't know. You know, we'll never really know what the DPP was motivated by when they made that decision. But I'm pretty sure that Peter's contribution wasn't the swing factor. How do you think Peter will feel about hearing that in this podcast? Well, I'm hoping that Peter knows I value and appreciated his contributions, but that I'm a truth teller and I'm going to set the record straight hopefully not hurting his feelings so that he understands that his contribution was appreciated but it wasn't what he thinks it was and you've in fairness to you you've actually already told him this in person yeah um, so this is not new to him he will hear he will hear this for the second time it just happens to be in a larger forum yeah yeah i tried to very gently let him down on this by saying mate what the bloody hell get your hand off it you're full of shit how does he take it from a, a mate of 30 years I find that if I tell him um, firmly, but with a little bit of humour infused in that, mm. he's fine. He's okay with it. Yep. He'll say, oh, mate, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that did happen for sure is that on the day of the trial for Chris Dawson, Headley was in court to support the family 
along with Ben Fordham. Just after 3pm, Chris Dawson was found guilty. Peter was sought after during the time of the trial, having been on the Teacher's Bet podcast and sharing his thoughts on the trial. The Lambo lawyer did an appearance on Sunrise with Koshi and then appeared on Sky News post the verdict to offer his insights on the conviction. Peter, can I start with you? Nobody, no forensics, all circumstantial evidence. Explain how this meets the criteria for guilty, because as I understand it, even someone like you wasn't confident today. Well, look, I'll tell you what, not only was I not confident, but I was of the view this morning before the judge started delivering his reasons for verdict, I was pretty sure that Chris Dawson would walk and that he would be found not guilty and acquitted. And there are several reasons for that. Number one, the affliction of time. Four decades have elapsed since Lynn disappeared. Now, it is very, very difficult to prosecute a murder trial with that amount of time elapsing. The other reason why I thought he would walk is um, no body was ever found. Mm. And it's very, very difficult to prosecute a murder trial without a body. It's not impossible, but it's very difficult to get a conviction in the absence of a body. But even more importantly, uh, what led me to believe that he'd be acquitted was the evidence of sightings. The final <coughs> reason why I thought there'd be an acquittal, while Hedley Thomas's podcast was absolutely brilliant, Headley deserves full kudos for that, and this would probably deserve another Walkley Award. But by the same token, my feeling about the podcast was that it was a two-edged sword. And the ultimate irony of this case, and this was my feeling this morning, was that while the podcast, well, I think, was undoubtedly instrumental in uh, Dawson being arrested, charged, and brought to trial, on the other hand, the podcast could well and truly have caused uh, Well, as the judge said, he said it contaminated a number of witnesses' versions. I'm with you on that. As Headley said, Peter was really supportive throughout the trial and offered to help on the podcast. Headley and Peter have a type of brotherly love. You know, the type where you don't mind taking the piss out of each other. You know the type, where you don't mind taking the piss out of each other. He tells me all the time that I'm a dickhead, but I don't take him seriously anymore because I don't know whether he's taking the piss or he's being serious. Sandy King was exactly the same way. Those two were the greatest piss takers on the planet, I swear to God. The Headley and Sandy King have always been overawed and fascinated by my physical prowess and my physical attributes and all my other talents. And to them, what, what they do with regard to that email and other shit that they've come up with, it's just a case of uh, classic extra large penis envy. That's what it is. What would you say to those people who find Peter too much? I would say to those people that they shouldn't be too black and white that maybe they just need to have a pause and then revisit Peter after they've just had a little break from him for a while. I can't imagine what it would be like to live with Peter. I think uh, that could be 
very demanding. But talking to Peter on the phone uh, every couple of weeks, that's good. I like that. I enjoy that chat if I'm not too busy. Peter has a knack, though, of uh, when I'm really busy, ringing constantly. And when I see that it's him and I'm in an interview or I'm writing and I don't have time, like most people, I don't pick up. He just keeps ringing, even though... I haven't said, mate, I'll call you back. I didn't pick up. He just keeps ringing over and over. And a couple of times when I've been probably a bit stressed and harried, I have picked up and I said, mate, you know that if I'm not picking up, I can't talk to you. Will you stop ringing? You know, um, but I've only done that a couple of times. Peter is the only friend that I've done this with. Many years ago, I just had some idea that Peter, with all of the stuff that he was sending me, um, things about himself clippings about you know his weightlifting his bodybuilding his paddling his motor race car driving i just thought that all of this stuff should be saved somewhere so i i opened a folder called peter larvac and put it in my briefcase and i've just put stuff in it over the years and that's what i brought in today it's got you know all of these um old newspaper articles and um glossy magazine pieces that show Peter looking pretty buffed and yet when you see Peter in the flesh now you know I wonder well what happened to that you know male model like have you seen him with the gravy stains I've seen him I've not the gravy stains but I've definitely seen a cream bun stain on his shirt he turned up at court uh, when I was appearing recently and then we went and had a uh, lunch in the local coffee shop and I said, mate, what, what's that on your... What What are you even wearing? And what is that running down the front of it? And uh, he just said, oh, mate, you know, that's... Uh, I don't know what that is. You know, we couldn't work it out. And I don't think we'd like to test it. It looked like gravy. Could have been anything. But Peter's... Um, oh, well, that's just Peter. He's a character. That could be your new investigative podcast <laughs> get to the bottom of that dna <laughs> tested i've said to him mate if you turn up to court again in your tracky dax you're not I, I don't i don't acknowledge me please because it's embarrassing i want you wearing a suit you were a great barrister you probably still could be dress like one and would he be would he dress like that as a barrister surely you can't walk into court and tracky dax if you're representing someone can you oh, not if you want to be taken seriously you should be held in contempt I've really enjoyed working on this podcast with Peter and Bobby and all of the guests. I must admit that when I first met Peter, he was not the sort of barrister I thought I'd meet. But over the last five months, as we've been putting this show together, I've come to like him as a bloke. He grows on you. Some would say, like a fungus. But honestly, I think I echoes those that like him and maybe some that don't. Peter also wanted to make a comment on some of the things he heard in the podcast in true Lambo lawyer style, he doesn't pull any punches. I wanted to comment on what some of the people have said. Now, Brian Kilworth, I wasn't surprised by his massive rambling dummy spit, uh, but I thought that his description of me looking like a homeless bum was a little over the top, not to mention untrue. And it's pretty obvious he's still pissed off with me after all these years for stealing his fiancée. He clearly never got over that. And reading between the lines of what he said in the transcript of the podcast, I think that he's even more pissed off with himself 
for not being man enough to hold on to his woman. That's what I think about Brian Kilworth. We, we gave an open invitation to people, we gave them a free kick, mm. and um, Brian Kilworth took the free kick. Paul Thompson, he put the boot in. I wasn't surprised that he put the boot into me. We gave him a free kick and he was more than happy to kick away. But I fully agree with Bobby's assessment of Paul Thompson. He obviously still suffers from a massive little man complex. That's Paul Thompson. <laughs> Jill McIntosh. Now, she's my protege. I mentored her in her early years of barrister and I was quite saddened when I heard that she felt she was neglected by me over all these years. And I was even more saddened that she felt that I took our friendship for granted. Now, my relationship with Jill has always been very special and one of the top few truly beautiful friendships of my life. And I'll definitely try and make it up to her. Young Joel Osborne, now, he's a good guy. And I was very sorry when we had a falling out, this was a few years ago, but I'll definitely try to mend the fences with Joel. Now, you've had a chat with Joel, right? Absolutely. And, and how was that conversation? Well, we're, we're on the road back to reconciliation, and I hope after this podcast is finished and he hears it, that we can restore our relationship back to what it was. What do you help hope people think of you after hearing this podcast? Um... I hope they will realise that there's more to me than meets the eye and I hope they realise that I'm not just a shallow poser who swans around in an expensive flashy Lamborghini and I hope they will realise that there's more to me than meets the eye, that there is depth in me as a human being and that uh, I'm not just a uh, shallow narcissist that I actually do care about other people and I do go out of my way to help other people and the most rewarding things in my life is helping other people and making a difference to their lives. That's what I hope people will get from this podcast. There's one final thing to do, Pete. That's to start up the beast. Yep. Okay. And take me for a spin around the corner. Yep. A slow spin, please. Yep. I don't have Absolutely. my helmet on. <laughs> I'm going to put my belt on too, oh. I think. Yeah, that's, uh, that's quite loud. So we've given you Hedley Thomas and Ben Fordham. But let's cut to the moment where I almost die sitting next to the Lambo lawyer in his Lamborghini. As we pull out of Chalmers Street in Surrey Hills, Pete goes to turn left onto Elizabeth Street. Unfortunately, Elizabeth Street is one way, so we turn into oncoming traffic. Pete quickly realises this is a bad move and does a quick U-turn and we drive off into the distance. Very fast. Yep, that was the... Uh, that, was, that was a little bit of time. I've enjoyed talking with Peter and deep down he's a good person with a few personality quirks. But we all have those. Let's leave the last words of advice to Peter, the Lambo lawyer, 
from his good mate and fellow podcaster, Headley Thomas. What would your advice to Pete be? He's listening to the podcast right now. I would say, Peter, be true to yourself. And I think you always have been true to yourself. So I'm not suggesting that you change much. But don't feel like you need to prove anything. Your true friends like you the way you are, notwithstanding, you know, some of the defects that we've been discussing, but they'll still love you and support you. So you don't have to prove anything. You don't have to do anything more to overcome whatever has happened in your own early childhood, whatever's happened in your life that's caused or contributed to you being this, I think, always aspiring, always trying to impress person, you're already impressive, so you don't need to do any more. Be just chill. Jesus. You like that? Yeah, that was my heart in the back of my throat. <laughs> Your brain's left. Oh, jeez. How quick? What? Yeah. And so, is there a G-force there or not? Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 